Welcome to 3Talk, coaching conversations for modern day living. With backgrounds in business, marketing and teaching, Susie, Lucia and Fleur bring you tips and tools to help you live the life you want to live. 3Talk, transforming lives for the better. Welcome back to 3Talk, nine ways to a happier relationship. We have discussed relationships before, but today we're going to give ways to improve our relationships. We have all had relationships concerns. It might have been about finding the right person we want to spend the rest of our life with or bringing more love, fun and understanding into our existing relationships. To be honest, spending your life with the same person is no easy feat when you consider all our wants, needs, emotions, previous subconscious programming and life challenges. However crazily it might seem, it is often not an area we give a lot of thought to, which can have disastrous consequences. Giving love and feeling loved is one of our most important needs that can help us to feel happier and satisfied in our life. It gives us that sense of belonging, that sense of being whole, that we have someone that can support us through when life gets difficult and someone that can share all our special moments. Ultimately, we all want to love and be loved. What do you think, Lucia? As you rightly said, love is one of those areas that we kind of think of and think about, but I don't think we're giving it the proper thought in the sense that I don't think we're coming at it with the right mindset. Because, you know, and I'm sure you would have heard it before, if you have friends that are looking for that special one, the approach has always been like, why can't I find the right one? Instead of like, how can I make myself more deserving of love? And how can I love myself more? Which I think relates to that episode that we did a few months ago, which was called Dating Yourself. But also, when we are in a relationship, we, especially if it's a long one, we tend to forget that love, that passion, all those reasons why we fell in love with our other half in the first place. Because let's face it, those relationships can get like, you know, more of a routine. And then you just get in the habit of being in that relationship. And yes, you may love that person with all your heart, but thinking about the relationship that you've got and how to make it better, more enjoyable and more lovable for everybody kind of sometimes is not our focus. And I think this is why today's episode is definitely going to help both the people that are looking for a relationship and those who are already in one, because it is not just about having that relationship, it is about understanding how can you make it happier and better. Great points, Lucia. So whether you're single or in a relationship, having love in your life takes energy and time. So we're giving you nine tips to improve your relationship. And the first one is define what you want. To get what you want, it helps to know what you want. And that's as true of love as it is with anything else. Remember, it's about what you want. It's not about societal expectations. We get further and further away from finding true happiness when we look for the things we think we should go after instead of the things that are core to our unique personalities. Start by identifying your needs when it comes to romance and establishing your relationship goals. What do you want to give and what do you want to get out of a partnership? 
when you have a firm grip on what you want, you can look realistically at your behavior patterns to see if they are helping or hurting your search for lasting love and take steps to make changes if necessary. That's a good point, Fleur, because, you know, as I was saying before, we step into a relationship kind of very happy to have found that person to be in a relationship with, but quite frankly, we do not spend enough time thinking about what we want out of it, or even before we find that person, we hardly ever really visualize what sort of relationship we want to be in. Now, you know, I think we tend to forget the meaning of being in a relationship for the fact of being in a relationship. And I think this is one point where we need to be crystal clear about. I know, you know, from a personal perspective, when I was going through my 20s, I just thought that love was an exciting thing and I just wanted to explore it. But I think in a way, I never thought I was going to be in a long lasting relationship through them. It was all about discovering what love was about. And so when I change my perspective, when I change my approach to love as a whole, that's when I found my partner. Because that's when I understood that what I wanted was somebody to grow old with, somebody to grow at all levels, somebody that will make my life and enrich my life in so many more levels than I thought ever much I could ever find that I set that as my relationship goal and that's what I found. And I think the same goes for anybody being in a relationship right now or trying to find it. You need to be crystal clear on what sort of relationship you want to have and what's the meaning of that for you in order to attract it. Yes, so define what you want. It's really important to helping you get what you want. There's lots of research if you're visualising daily what you want, you'll bring that into your life because that's what you'll be looking for. That's a good tip. So number two is use your loneliness. While chronic loneliness isn't healthy and can contribute to depression, feeling lonely from time to time is normal. Whether in a romantic relationship or not, and feeling emotionally disconnected from people doesn't have to be negative. If you use those lonely feelings as motivation to make necessary changes, that will move your life in more positive directions. Finding a great partnership takes effort. You don't want to settle for a series of casual relationships if what you really want is something long-lasting. Start by paying more attention to relationships you already have and reconnecting with people you've lost touch with over time. Make new connections by joining clubs and special interest groups or volunteering. You never know how you'll meet someone new, but you'll only meet them if you get yourself out there. Hiring your probabilities really, isn't it? I think loneliness is a good point, but I would say it's not about feeling lonely, but learning to be alone. I think I would make a, a distinction there. I think in order to come to a relationship, feeling as a whole, you need to understand to have a relationship with yourself first. So I would definitely say learn who you are, learn to be in solitude, because that's the way in which you can show up fully to those relationships and commit to that relationship by not fearing to be on your own. That's the only way you can commit to be in a community or in a relationship. Yeah, which is a good point. You do need times alone, but if you're chronically lonely and you spend too much time on your own, then use it as a, a way of pushing you out the door. So number three tip is balance your love budget. 
While generosity is normally considered a positive trait, you may be sending the wrong message to a current or potential partner with extravagant spending on dinners and gifts. In fact, you might make a better impression by displaying more of an inclination to save money because it shows you're able to exercise self-control and are likely to accumulate greater financial resources over time. But be careful not to appear too restrictive or too controlling when it comes to your finances. That could lead someone to believe you're not fun and won't bring much in the way of excitement to the relationship. So keep things in balance and be honest about who you are. I think that's the key point is show yourself as you are. If you're a person that just loves giving, you know, don't go to the other side and stop giving at all. Um, I think you need to be true to who you are and not fear what your acts are going to be causing on the other half. But I think, as you were saying, it's good to find that balance. A, because you may find that you are the only one giving, giving, giving and never receiving, and that is not good. And equally, you may find that you never give and you're always expecting the others to give to you, and that is not healthy either. So I think find the balance between the two of you in the giving and receiving, not so much holding back, not giving or not receiving uh, from a personal perspective, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's really important. So tip number four, start talking. If and how couples communicate along with individual willingness to change determines whether or not problems can be resolved and the quality of a, of a relationship maintained. Some problems, especially minor issues, are best resolved with a cooperative and affectionate approach that doesn't put anyone on the defensive. Serious problems may have to be addressed more directly, but that approach is only helpful when both partners are confident and secure enough in the relationship to respond in productive ways. When one or both partners lack that type of confidence, a critical or defiant approach can cause even more harm to the relationship. If we talk to clients about soft language and words to use, and avoid in order to have the most successful discussion. Using phrases like, I was thinking, how would you feel about, or could we possibly, or I am curious about. This opens up the conversation Well, phrases like, you always, you never, you need to, and you should indicate judgment and will instantly shut down a conversation. Well, I think the important thing to relay here is, hey, it's very important to talk and express your feelings, but it's also very important to understand the person who is in front of you feelings. And I think if you come to that, you know, conversation, being aware of those two points, chances are you're going to have a successful conversation because the minute that you start blaming other for something, then the other one is going to go on the defensive. So it's not going to open up. It's not going to be open to finding a solution together. And also, I think uh, we're all guilty of this. We tend to think that it's always the others and the other person's fault for something. But I think we also need to be a bit humble and understand that we are both to blame. If a situation is derailed and is not going well, chances are both of you are doing something that should have been changed or at least discussed. So I think when you come with that humble approach to this conversation is definitely going to help trying to make things better and definitely talking as you know is one of the things that really really helps relationships move forward yeah that communication is key so don't give up on that communication 
Tip five is open up about sex. Couples typically have different levels of desire for intimacy and sex and may enjoy different types of sexual activities. Perhaps not surprisingly, one study found that middle-aged women in same-sex marriages tend to have an easier time communicating their sexual desires and discussing problematic issues with their partners than women in heterosexual marriages, allowing for a healthy amount of openness and ongoing trust in their relationship. Those couples that were able to keep communication open were also more likely to be working on their individual and relationship issues with a clearly established goal of maintaining or rejuvenating their sex lives than couples who had a hard time communicating with each other about sex. We encourage couples to regularly set aside time to check in with each other and assess the health of the relationship. It's important to specifically talk about any and all aspects of their relationship including sex. Knowing there is an opportunity for discussion can help relieve any tension or concerns either partner has about unmet needs and is a way to demonstrate to each other that you value the health of the relationship. So the relationship is made up of all aspects. If you think about sex as the physical expression of that love you share, then it becomes even more important, I would say, because you know kissing hugging all that are expressions of love sex is the ultimate expression of that so if you cannot be honest and if you cannot be open about that ultimate expression of love then when can you be honest about it and I think that the whole point is like just enjoy it just make it part of that healthy relationship that you've got with your other half and make it one of the joyful moments that it is to be have. Yeah, which leads on really nicely to tip six, switch things up. Although passion and sexual satisfaction in relationships can start to dwindle over time, studies show that couples who continue to enjoy passionate, satisfying sex not only communicate their sexual needs and have sex more often, but also incorporate a wider variety of sexual acts into their lovemaking routines. Mindfulness is a critical component of mutually satisfying sex. Spending time getting in touch with yourself, your body and your physical and emotional needs will help you better communicate your feelings and desires to your partner. Staying in the moment during sex rather than thinking about the climax can help you stay in touch with your partner's needs as well. Yeah, I think the one learning about this is just learn to be fully present. And obviously this applies to sex and to everything that you do. When you are in the moment, just be in the moment. Stop thinking about the laundry or the you know shopping groceries and folding all the clothes that you left downstairs, which you all may be laughing, but I've heard that happening before. Uh, so, you know, be where you are, stay where you are and enjoy where you are. I think you have to just set the intention that everything else this is the moment I'm in and this is what I'm going to enjoy. And, you know, looking back in the past of any sexual problems or looking into the future of all the things that need to be done is very unhelpful. So that leads us to tip number seven, respect personality differences. If you're an introvert, you know you're not necessarily shy, but rather you're averse to small talk and don't enjoy mindless activities. You're more careful than most about how you spend your time and who you spend it with, and that's okay. You may be looking to fellow introverts for love, but if you find yourself involved with an extrovert, as often happens, recognize and honor your differences and use them to your advantage. 
i.e. to help you try new things, rather than argue over them. All successful relationships require guidelines, negotiations, and the occasional giving in to a partner's different way of doing things. At the same time, a solid relationship develops over time. So be wary of anyone you feel is moving too quickly or too intensely. It may seem flattering, but it can be a warning sign that you're moving in the wrong direction. Relationships take time. They do. And I would say, because we, uh, you know, we, we commonly think and we hear that polar, like, you know, opposites attract each other. Whilst these may be true, I think you need to be, as you said, be a respectful opposite. Because I'm quite an extrovert and I have dated introverts in the past. And it has been a very unbalanced relationship because my needs, for example, or their needs were met because we were coming to a relationship from very different angles. So I think definitely have the awareness of who you are and how you behave in a relationship and also be very aware and be very mindful of who you are dating or who you have been in a relationship with and honor each other because unless you're willing to make that sacrifice, unless you're willing, unless you're willing to make that effort and that extra understanding to honor the person that you've got in front of you, you're not going to have a happy relationship. Yeah, I think the more opposite you are, the more you need to communicate and discuss what makes you feel happy and what makes you feel sad and, you know, just, yeah, be mindful of it. Which leads us to tip number eight, practice positive psychology. Research shows that the happiest couples have five times as many positive interactions as negative in their relationships. It may not be enough to try to make up for a negative experience with a single positive one, perhaps because the impact of negative behavior is often much stronger and deeper. At every opportunity, show support for your partner, express gratitude, forgive slight problems, respond enthusiastically and plan to spend time together in challenging and engaging new ways. These investments in positive thinking and behavior help create more positive relationship satisfaction and can hold you over when you face inevitable problems, conflicts and tough times in the future. And if you're not in a relationship right now, but you'd like to be, always be open to new experiences. Look up from your phone, take out your earplugs and engage in the world. Love is everywhere and it can be found even in seemingly inconsequential everyday interactions yeah i think for this one the key thing to bear in mind is to not trust disney movies in the sense that they always end in the and they live happily ever after right but life is full of swings life is full of challenges and you need to embrace and ride those challenges together and there will be times where you're going to be facing a very hard situation and you need to rely on your partner to help you see you through it. And that's what a relationship is for. That's what love is for. You need to uh, rely on each other. You need to trust each other. And you need to understand that love is not always going to be laugh and cuddles. There are going to be times that where there's going to be tears. There are going to be times where you're going to find it hard. And there are going to be times when you need to fight together. And you will. But I think we tend to think, that life just stops with the happily ever after. And so when the first challenge presents, we give up because we are not used 
to fight for things. We're not used to stay strong for each other. We're not used to see each other cry and just hold them in our arms. And I think that is one of the key important things to have a very happy and healthy relationship. Yeah, I totally agree. I think we need to be mindful of the word need, though, because I think that puts pressure on people. I think maybe saying we will try to makes it more of a less judgmental, less pressured. Just be aware of what's happening and try to be more open for communication and being more thoughtful. Because then when you set that intention, you'll do it from a loving place and not from a fearful place. Which leads us on to our last tip, work on you. When you're looking after your mind, body and spirit, you're at your best self. When you feel good, you're less reactive and more thoughtful. You can see the bigger picture. You don't sweat the small stuff. You learn to let certain things go and speak up in a loving way. You have the I can attitude that raises your relationships and attracts people if you're looking for love. Time for you is essential for you to bring your best self to developing any relationship. Love is an energy, right? And what you put out there is what you get. You cannot expect to have a happy, healthy relationship if you're not a happy, healthy person yourself. Because, you know, your partner, the the one that you want to become a partner will pick up the energy that you're given. So I think, you know, it goes back to what we were saying about being aware of who you are and the ones around you. You need to be fully aware of what you are bringing to a relationship because that's what the relationship is going to be about so if you want happier smiles love and care that's what you need to bring to it because quite like quite you know chances are that's when it, that's where you're going to get back yeah great point Lucia because we do actually mirror what people give us so be really mindful of bringing that good energy to finish today, we'd like to recommend a couple of relationship books. The first one is Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. This is an old book, but it's a practical guide for improving communication and getting what you want in relationships. And it's by John Gray, and it has been recently updated. It's incredibly helpful. Some of the words described in the book have saved countless relationships and improved many others. Like I said, it's now been repackaged to relate to a new generation of readers. I have actually been lucky enough to hear him speak at the Health Summit this year, and he was incredibly entertaining and wise that even the whole crowd stood up and gave him a standing ovation. He is a great advocate about what makes a good relationship, and you can also listen to him on his 15-minute TED Talk on YouTube. The second book I'd like to recommend is The Five Languages by Gary Chapman, a New York Times bestseller for eight years running. Falling in love is easy. Staying in love, that's the challenge. How can you keep your relationship fresh and growing amid the demands, conflicts, and just plain boredom of everyday life? It also includes a couple's personal profile assessment so you can discover your love language and that of your loved one. You can even listen to Dr. Gary Chapman's podcast, Building Relationships. There is even an app called Love Nudge for Couples. It's like a fitness app, but for couples. <laughs> I haven't checked it out, but if you have or you try it, I'd love to hear about it in the comments. So thank you for joining us today. Please share with anyone you think will find this podcast useful. We really appreciate it as we can keep giving this free content. If you're not subscribed, do subscribe on iTunes as then it will alert you of the next episode. 
Keep working on your relationships and we'll be back with more tips and tools next week. Sending you lots of positive energy, love and happiness. Have a great week and bye for now.